1: This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. Find out more about this amazing collectible and sign up for their mailing list for special offers at ScienceDIV.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun.
0: Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order.
1: division at pod fleet command it's the biggest little show this side of the alpha quadrant and the flagship of the trek geeks podcast network greetings to you one and all welcome to the trek geeks podcast and episode number 254 i'm your co-host bill smith so glad to have you all here today as we are back from an impromptu week off these things happen but we're back to talk star trek and we are excited about it And of course by we i do mean my podcast partner and i you know, there are days where I wish I encountered him and I never found out who he was or what species he was, because it would have made moving on through the galaxy so much more easy. Yeah. He's the very Ferengi like Dan Davidson. Dan, we you get your tooth sharpener there, buddy. You are a funny human. You know that? I am.
0: I'd love just sitting here with you on a weekly basis, except for last week when we didn't do it, um, uh, and, and talking Star Trek and hearing all your wittiness. Because you're witty. So, thanks. Thanks for that. That's all I got. See you next wow. week. <laughs> and good night. <laughs> no, it's good to be here, man. Yeah, we had an impromptu week off last week. Uh, we're here to, as you say, talk Star Trek. We're, we're going to continue our year-long discussion of Enterprise 20 and a great celebration of uh, that anniversary uh, with a first season episode that um, I've been kind of looking forward to talking about uh,
1: until I rewatched it last week. <laughs> Who picked this episode? That would be me. <laughs> uh, I'm like, why? I couldn't remember it, to be honest. I thought that me. I did. And I'm like, what did I do to us? Yeah. Why well, Why did I pick this episode? So many season one episodes I could have picked. And I picked this. And I, I'm coming to find out this is your fault.
0: Yep. It's my fault. But uh, you know what? Um, I remember being excited about it back in the day. And I was excited when I was going through episodes to talk about for the celebration of Enterprise 20. So I said, Bill. Let's talk about season one acquisition. This is going to be great.
1: This is not going to be great. <laughs> this is not going to be great. Um, we'll talk more about the critical reception of Enterprise in this episode later on. Uh, but in the meantime, Dan, would you do our wonderful listeners a favor and regale them with the tale of how they may contact us about their thoughts and feelings on acquisition?
0: Regaling commencing. Regaling commencing. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of ways that you can get in touch With us folks we definitely want to hear from you uh, Just head on over to trekgeeks.com Slash contact where you can Email us you can send us a voicemail Voicemail you can chat with us you can Tweet right at us or you can head over To Facebook and uh, join Camp Kittimer which is the official Facebook group Of the Trek Geeks podcast network It's the most positive Trek group on Facebook We think there's no trolling there's no gatekeeping Allowed we only want people celebrating What they love about Star Trek so Just search for Camp Kittimer at, answer a couple of quick questions, and our wonderful admins will let you right on in. And we want to thank those wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, for all the work and the amazing job they do running the camp. But please remember that any comments or messages that leave us in any of these places, maybe use in a future episode,
1: Bill. That was amazing. Uh, you, you only made one real mistake.
0: little tiny one right at the very beginning. That's all right, though. It's a week off. You know, you know it's like, oh, I'm ready to go. Arr.
1: Really? What happened? I slipped up. Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. This is a relationship that you and I are very proud of. Lou and John and the entire team at Fansets are dedicated to bringing you the very finest Star Trek collectibles anywhere in the world. And their customer service is literally second to none.
0: Absolutely correct and spot on, my friend. You know, you and I have always said that one of the best things to come out of starting this podcast is the friendship that we've developed with everyone over at Fansets. And we're always very excited to announce their latest releases here on the show. Now, get ready, because this is no April Fool's joke, people. These are actual releases that will be available on April 1st over at Fansets.com. And the only way I could really describe the first one is, uh, this is, may not be the official title, but it's my title. The One Leg Up on a Chair Riker, which is pretty cool. Uh, I like that. Um, is that a also, technical term? I, I think it can be a technical term. Um, we're also going to have Esri Dax available on April 1st. And the first two releases of the new Pinmoji line will be available. Mr. Spock and Geordie LaForge. And this just in regarding the Pinmojis, Bill, if you can't wait for the set to be released one or two pins at a time, you can buy the entire Pinmoji set at a reduced price of $55.95 starting April 1st. Now, you heard that right. All nine Pinmojis all at once for an incredible price. And if you do have any patience, unlike me, new pins will be released twice a month in order of the shows as they were released on
1: television, which is pretty cool. It absolutely is, and I have zero patience at all. So I know. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> I, those are all going to be mine that, <laughs> because that line of, of pins is certainly no joke, even though your face is a joke, Dan. Ah, wow. You So really friends, went there. I did. So friends, yeah. head on over to fansets.com, put a whole bunch of pins and accessories and other stuff in your cart, and at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special Trek Geeks discount code word, Ferengi. That's F-E-R-E-N-G-I in all capital letters for an amazing 10% off your entire order at Fansets. Now, this offer code is going to be good up until April 7th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time Plus. And don't forget this, because this is key. When you spend more than 30 bucks at Fansets, you're automatically going to get free shipping in the United States. Fansets.
0: Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the trek geeks podcast network well our friends at science division are celebrating one year since they first started shipping out the galaxy's first interactive Tribble, and you get to be part of the celebration
1: oh uh, this is so cool jay and kaylee are doing a special extension of their anniversary sale just for trek geeks listeners that is so awesome if you order your Tribble at sciencediv.com today you can get 10 bucks off and As a bonus, one of the remaining codes for free in-game items on the desktop version of Star Trek Online while supplies last. Yes. All you have to do is order using the code GeekFriends. That's G-E-E-K-F-R-I-E-N-D-S in all capital letters with no spaces. That's going to get you your 10 bucks off the triple adoption and one of the bonus remaining STO codes while supplies last. But I mean, you got to hurry though, because this code is good through Sunday, April 4th. 2021 at 1159 p.m. Eastern time, Dan.
0: That is awesome. And also don't forget that free shipping in the U.S. still applies for orders of $75 or more. That means you can order two Tribbles or even a Tribble and one of the new Science Division tote bags and get it all shipped to your door absolutely free, no shipping. You still got to pay for the stuff, though. (laughs) <laughs> that's key
1: <laughs> science division trouble's never been this fun and we thank our friends at science division for sponsoring this week's episode well Dan. well bill welcome it's good to have you here <laughs> as we again embark upon our discussion On this season one episode of Star Trek Enterprise, which, of course, was only called Enterprise at the time. Uh, And, of course, I'm talking about acquisition.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Enterprise is either a show that fans love to love or love to be annoyed by, I found, in the last few years. (laughs) Um, And I'll tell you why I say that. I feel like there are a bunch of people who watch this show very lovingly. Perhaps sometimes with rose-colored glasses, and they just revel in the the callbacks and the the foreshadowing of things we know in Star Trek Canon. Mm-hmm. To counter that, there are the people who were disappointed by some of the decisions, even still today, and this all makes for some very interesting discussion, would you say?
0: Oh, uh, without a doubt. And I'm going to be very honest that um, I was at one point wearing those rose-colored glasses, especially for this episode. I remember when it first came out, I was thrilled. I loved it. I thought it was a great idea. I thought the way they handled it was cool, and we'll get into the details about that later on. But um, during my rewatch last week, um, I was not wearing those glasses. <laughs> Actually I think I took the glasses and I stepped on them um because uh, and, and don't get me wrong I love Enterprise I really appreciate what they did in the Four Seasons and I'm always standing on my soapbox saying Same. I wish they could have done more seasons because it really got better as the series went along but um there were some issues um and as much as I thought I loved this episode when I was younger uh, there were issues with this episode
1: Yeah, I was one of those people who was not excited by this episode. In fact, I was very critical of it in 2002 when it came out for obvious reasons. Um, You know, I I understand they were trying to bend canon. I understand they were trying to give fans something that they recognized while still telling a compelling story for this crew and this storyline. But for me, it just it didn't work then. And in rewatching it for me now, I think it worked even less.
0: Yeah. Back in the day, I, I loved it. I thought the idea was great. I'm like, oh my God, they're introducing the Ferengi and we're not supposed to see them for another 200 ish years. And at the time I'm like, oh, they did it great. They never really talk about who they are. I think that's awesome. And, you know, looking at it now, as we've been doing Trek geeks for so long and trying to have a more open eye and not a rose colored eye, as you might say, um, there were problems with how they dealt with this and the canon. I mean, it's a little far fetched some of the things that took place to not know what this alien race was. Um, and I think, I think one of the things that might have um, made me think that way back in the day was it was a Frankie kind of cool. If it was not the special guest that they had in this episode, I think I would have had a very different um, out. Uh, or opinion on it back then. I loved having all of the special guest stars playing the Ferengi. And I think that really made me happy back in the day. I love it now, but that's really the only thing in this episode that I found really entertaining this time.
1: I have to agree with you. I I think that if they have four other actors playing the Ferengi, this episode doesn't work at all. Absolutely. I think it's saved by the fact that they have these four actors in these four roles and specifically cast the way they are. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you have Jeffrey Combs Playing the guy in command, he's essentially coming across a little too much like Brunt FCA. Right. Yep. Um, so he kind of had to be the Ferengi that was um uh malleable mm-hmm. to some extent. You yep. had to be the guy who could be coerced. Um, but I mean you've got you got Ethan Phillips, you've got <laughs> you've got Cliff Howard.
0: Clint Howard is just so great. It's just Again. so great seeing him.
1: Yep, yep. And then absolutely. Matt Malloy, who is a great character actor, he has shown up in so many things, but he fits in with those other three long time or many times Star Trek guest stars very well.
0: It's funny because I didn't recognize him as much, of course, as the other ones, because the other ones have such great Star Trek history. I got to say, we've seen Ethan Phillips, you know, of course, everybody knows him as Neelix, but we've seen him as a Ferengi before in the Voyager episode where the Ferengi that had gone through the wormhole and TNG end up, you know playing gods on a planet and he is surgically altered to look like a Ferengi and it passed then. So it was kind of cool to see him back um, as a real Ferengi in this episode. And of course, you know, Clint Howard has been, I think in every Star Trek series now, hasn't he? Uh, pretty close to or not, I, all, yeah, of them, or not all of them Not all, but i mean I, I mean he was in discovery most recently um i had i'd had actually forgotten for a while that he was in enterprise as as this character uh mook or muck i'm not really sure uh yuck might be a better way <laughs> uh, i love, <laughs> loved i did find it interesting how gravelly and 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 throaty his voice was in this episode um and for me, I think the best part of the episode is when he's holding Porthos and just looking at him. You can only imagine what Porthos is thinking, looking at this person all done up in makeup. Uh, and then they throw him in a box.
1: I know. I don't Jeez. get that. Oh. Um, with Ethan Phillips, we have to bring up one other appearance as a Ferengi before we get emails. And he plays a Ferengi in the TNG episode, Menage a Troy. He plays Dr. Farrick.
0: That's absolutely right. I forgot about that. Yep. And yeah. is that also the episode where, and I didn't know this until just recently, that Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley actually plays a Ferengi. Is that the same one?
1: Uh, that's no, a that's, check. that's a different episode. But okay. David Olander is in an episode as a, as a Ferengi.
0: That's kind of cool. Yeah. So all these awesome famous people are playing a not awesome race that we're not supposed to know about at Enterprise.
1: well i mean at the core of this episode is the theory that we never find out what race this is yeah and this is really what they hinge the whole episode on and and i think that i think that that's biggest problem because if you're a fan you're gonna go come on it's the ferengi right um and and if you're loving the episode you're like come on it's the ferengi yes and it's it's a dual-edged sword It's a dual-edged
0: sword for fans, and and one of the things that I have a problem with is is there are some great comedic... Well, I don't know if I want to say great, but there are some comedic moments in this. Archer gets to have a little fun, which is good. He gets beat up like he always does also, Um, but I have a very, very difficult time believing that the captain of a starship does not submit a report that will describe these aliens in excruciating detail, talking about what they look like, the weapons that they have. They talk about these rules of acquisition, they're pirates. They always talk about profit. All of these things were not somehow transmitted to um, Starfleet command so that by the time the last outpost comes around,
1: Picard already knows who they are. That's just hard for me to believe. You mean to tell me that internal sensors didn't capture anything? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, they were all unconscious. They forgot to.
1: Well, but I mean, the sensors work whether they're there or not. They didn't turn them on. They pressed the pause button. Yeah. It's like going yeah. to the bathroom during a movie. It's not the first time Enterprise does this. That they, right. they sort of have this, you know, uh, continuity bending experience and we the future never finds out about it, either because... Maybe they didn't keep great records or maybe they mm. never thought to put it in the log because in regeneration, they meet the Borg. Right. And this I have the same criticism. You know, we should have known about the Borg if they met the Borg.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm much more lenient on that episode than this one, though, I will say.
1: <laughs> is it because it's a better episode?
0: Yeah, probably it is. I mean, as we pointed out before we recorded, you said, well, they've had a few seasons to, to get it right by the time uh, yeah. regeneration comes along. So I think they did a much better job of of possibly hiding what they were. Um, of course, I just love the fact that they brought the first contact aspect into that episode. But we've already talked about that here on the Trek Geeks podcast. We have. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. There,
1: I think there's a whole episode.
0: I'm thinking there is. Yeah, it was a pretty good one too,
1: I think. Um, We talked a bit about the reception of this episode. Um, It's interesting to note that there were even differences among the production staff on this episode, and that's really what blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Sussman, one of the writers on Voyager, said, quote, meeting the Ferengi was probably one of the more controversial choices this season, but I think we structured the show in a way that preserves Picard's first contact with them. Besides every Deep Space Nine fan knows Earth's real first contact with the Ferengi was in Roswell in 1947. Love that. Um, end quote. And that's in uh, from an old episode of the Star Trek Communicator. Um, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. And I love the fact that he brought up Little Green men. I think that's great. I do too. Um, but Brandon Braga, co-creator of the show, <laughs> um, I thought he was the showrunner of season one, um, which... Which would have, uh, you know, he probably had the power to kill this script if he really wanted to. (laughs) But Brandon Braga says in the Enterprise Season 1 Blu-ray special features, there's no excuse for the Ferengi. No excuse. That was an act of desperation. I hated it. End quote.
0: That's pretty strong. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) probably one of the more stronger reactions Braga ever has on anything.
0: That's, that's That's a surprise. Um, and you're right. If he was the showrunner, if you hated it,
1: why'd you okay it? Why'd you give it the green light? Well, uh, I'm guessing because they needed a script and had nothing. Well, um, I mean, yeah. I, I,
0: again, I don't hate the episode. I, there are aspects of it that I, f- I find quite cool. Uh, some continuity things like the Ferengi whips, for example. I love yeah. the fact that, uh, Ethan's character has that and uses it, which is pretty cool. Um, the rules of acquisition, there's a smaller number of them than we see in Deep Space Nine, so that's obviously true. they've added a few uh, uh, to the rules over the course of the 200 years. I like stuff like that. Umox is, of course, talked about. And who doesn't want to talk about Umox when you talk about the Ferengi? I don't want to talk don't about ever want to talk about that. That was a joke. I hate Umox. Yeah. I think that's a silly aspect of the Ferengi. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, you know, first of all, I think you brought this up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your thunder and say that cool. something that you said to me. There's no dialogue for the
1: first 15 minutes? Uh 11 minutes and in, in change. Okay. Yeah, there are a couple of lines here and there. Trip wakes up in the decon chamber and says a couple of things, but there's Doc. no character-to-character dialogue for almost 11 and a half minutes in this episode. That, and the that's, Ferengi that's in English.
0: Exactly. I was gonna say, and then the Ferengi language, which doesn't sound anything like the Ferengi language that we friendly Ferengi language that we saw in Little Green Men, um sounded a lot different. Yeah. I like the little green men uh uh Ferrangi language but uh yeah it was um it was it was I think that's what I when I when I was re-watching it this week right at the beginning I started sitting in the chair kind of like wow this is I'm really not getting into this one and <laughs> that's part of the reason is because it was very disjointed and nothing
1: really going on the the first eleven minutes or so reminded me and I, I imagine you're gonna laugh at this of the Star Wars holiday special
0: <laughs> that was my laugh
1: so in that. Much maligned, really horrible, t- made-for-TV special that was on CBS in the seventies, nineteen seventy-eight. There is an entire scene of dialogue with a Wookie family that is not subtitled.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly
1: yep. what it's like, and that's how I felt watching the Ferengi-only dialogue with no subtitles in this episode. I'm <laughs> like, oh my god, they may as well be on the planet Kashik. Yeah. Oh, uh, trying to get Chewbacca home for Life Day.
0: That is good. That's a real laugh. The other one was fake, but that's, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. It's, I, I, I understand that in some episodes you have filler. Yeah. Um, You don't want to have 11 minutes, 11 minutes of filler at the beginning of the episode. And can I point out one thing that I, I will complain about? What, What starship that has any rules and regulations is just going to allow this container to be beamed on so then it can open up and and dispel gas and knock out the entire ship? It's in the engine room, but within seconds, it's like knocked out the entire ship. They don't have any type of alert system or filtration system that could have prevented it from happening for the rest of the ship. I understand it's the Enterprise NX-01 and technology isn't as advanced as maybe the uh, NCC-1701D, but come on.
1: I'm going to say that's one of the growing pains I actually agree with. I I can see where they may have done that. And it put the ship in peril because they haven't been out this far. They didn't anticipate that there could be a threat like this. And the Vulcans certainly weren't going to give me information. Well, here's my counter argument to that.
0: Yeah. They go in the decon chamber and slather oil and lotion all over themselves when they go on an away mission. Shouldn't they have put that in the decon chamber because they didn't know what it was right to begin with and maybe opened it in there?
1: Well, they just assumed it was some kind of relic because it was on the planet and it didn't give off any obvious signs. You know
0: about assumptions, Mr. Smith.
1: If, any, if anything, <laughs> you know, they clearly don't have force fields yet, yeah, which is obvious. That. Yeah. No containment fields. Yeah. So which, not,
0: which the technology is not as good. Would yeah. have been
1: cool. I mean, Kirk brings Nomad aboard the Enterprise. <laughs> I mean, and that could have destroyed the ship. So. Yeah. I got to give him a little bit of a pass on that one. All right.
0: Okay. Well, I didn't give him a pass. (laughs) Passed (laughs) out is what they get. On
1: anything. (laughs) Um, I I don't want to beat this episode to death. The entire, the entire Trek Geeks episode. But I I do want to talk about some things that actually work pretty well beyond the actors themselves. Okay. The whole idea that they have to, you know, buy time by conducting them through every passageway and corridor to find the ship's vault yes is actually a little bit of brilliance in this episode i love the fact that oh you want to find the vault Well, we'll show you the vault yeah and to me that's actually really funny and i think it
0: works in that the ferengi are so um wrapped up with profit only that they don't even have any real you know Question marks going off above their head when he's like, "Oh, here's the vault. I'm going to tap open the combination. Why don't you go right in first? And, and and you know, there's that there's that funny bit of them of who's going to go in first. I like that. It it I hate to say it because uh, I don't want to get people mad. And don't get me wrong, I love the Ferengi. I think what Armin did with the cor- with with Cork and Ferengi with with Brunt and and Rom and everything was genius. The Ferengi were stupid, especially early in in TNG times. And they were stupid in this episode, too.
1: <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, when we first meet them in Next Gen, um, they seem fierce or fearsome to some extent. You know, and they very quickly become a comic element because, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, because Gene thought they were going to be the villain and it turns out, yeah, no, they're really not. No, I, I think that we made them a little too much the laughing stock. And in fact, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Jeffrey Combs' character is a little too much like Rom,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I actually had a Rom vibe coming off of him during yeah. my rewatch this last week. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's no knock on Jeff Combs, no, nope. um, at all. Uh, I think it's just the way they chose to write the character because Rom kind of has that um, that credulous simplicity about him. Mm-hmm. He means well. He, you know, he wants to acquire wealth. He, you know, can he, he he can fall for for the trap very easily and does in Deep Space Nine many times. So, um, that, that's probably my one complaint about the way that particular character is written. Although I got to say, I mean, Jeff Combs, um, he's gotta be the guy to play that part because I don't think any of the other ones play that part the same way.
0: I agree. And I will say one thing, and this is not a, this is not a, um, this is not a, uh, a mark on, on his performance because everybody knows how much i love him and the work that he's done there were times with this character that all i could hear was brunt and way Wei, and wayun kind of mixed in his voice is so Specific and recognizable, especially at the end when he was playing with the controls and and he was like, oh, it was that's what Brunt does. So <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that's Brunt right there. It's it's so great. I love the fact that they brought somebody like Jeff in to do this role. Um, it really did work. And, and you can see that that if there were any any. um positive or good characteristics about the Ferengi, um, instead of just you know always wanting to make profit and, and do whatever it, it takes. He was the person that had that inner battle going on about doing what is good or what is for profit. And I think that Jeffrey Combs did a great job portraying that, especially when he was having his discussions with Archer.
1: Absolutely. I thought the scenes between uh Bacula and Combs were great, but I mean they're always great. The, the scenes between the two of them is Shran and Archer are, yeah. are some of the best of Enterprise, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, Ethan Phillips is really great as as Ulysses. There are times where I hear a little bit of Neelix, but it's not <laughs> overly distracting. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that he was the right guy to put in that part because Ulysses is more of an authoritarian figure. And I yep. think that I think that Ethan conveyed that incredibly well. And part of it, and
0: and this is a little thing, but not a little thing at the same time, I think one of the reasons why he played that role so good and was that menacing leader was the wardrobe, that leather jacket thing that he had with his whips at his side. I thought he, if there's ever such thing as a menacing Ferengi, (laughs) I would give it to Ethan Phillips in this episode, man. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting I talked about it a little bit. Clint Howard was obviously the muscle, which is kind of funny when you think Clint Howard you don't <laughs> think of muscle. I'm just, I know sorry Clint, but you know, but he's the tough guy. He's got that gravelly voice which I like how he did it to kind of hide you know, maybe his Star Trek, you know, familiarity, but he had no problem just swinging at Archer several times just because Archer said something he didn't like. So, um it was interesting to see clint playing this really awful person it was really fun it was fun i mean
1: that yeah it was it was interesting but in a fun way
0: yeah watching him do this he got to kind of like you know
1: really have a good time with the character i think i for me i think that clint howard steals this show a little bit because he does get to be a little more over the top in a in a a realistic sense compared to the other ferengi i mean ethan phillips like i said very authoritarian but you know, like, like, like you draw out just a minute ago, you know, muck was the muscle
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and that had to work really well, especially to, to kind of throw Archer off his game a little bit. It, I, I'm always surprised in Inter- when I watch enterprise because, uh, Archer has this tendency to just, um, uh, what's a good word? Why? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say put his face in front of a fist. <laughs> uh, that too. He he does that very well. I feel like Archer figures out a bit too quickly that these guys are, are dense. Yeah. Yeah. And and concocts a story. I feel like that maybe should have gone on a little more, like mm-hmm. maybe into the fourth act before they, they they started messing with him a little bit. Right. Um obviously he should have started working on on Krem as early as he could to try to win him over to his side, but mm-hmm you know this this whole sort of character that archer puts on it's almost a little bit like kirk in a piece of the action you know where it's like oh <laughs> let me tell you this i'll
0: take and, you to the vault
1: yeah. yeah it's it's a little over the top for me
0: that's all right i can, i can appreciate that one of the things that i thought was interesting but at the same time a little a little i don't even know the word to describe it is is we get you know tucker's running around in his underwear for most of the episode again least, again we've yeah. seen that a lot of times I liked some of the things about what he did in this episode when he was sneaking around. The best one was when he went into the mess hall and pretended to be one of the unconscious people. (laughs) I mean, I just thought that was great. But you know what? When you're trying to be unconscious, he like banged his foot or something to make the noise so that he so that the other Ferengi would turn so that the Ferengi would turn around so that they could fight. It's like, really, dude, you got a guy with a gun and you're kicking this chair or something like that. Oh, I don't know. The mess hall had a couple of good scenes in it. The other one I was going to bring up is, I think it was, I think it was creme. It was either creme or I forget, but they're going through the, like the, the food slots and he's smelling stuff and he smells one of the he's like, Oh God. And he throws it and then he smells a piece of pie and loves it. And what does he do? He throws the
1: entire plate and pie in a bag.
0: <laughs> and he does it with like three or four pieces of pie. I thought
1: that was funny. They were taking anything that wasn't nailed down, quite honestly. <laughs> and I even mean, things that were nailed down. And even things that were nailed down. <laughs> it's, they didn't seem to to show any you know discernment on what they should take. Right. Yep. And literally, they're taking any and everything. It's almost like they're the Sanford and Sons of Space.
0: <laughs> they had no plan uh, or no no list of what they wanted. They were just taking everything.
1: One of the things I really appreciate about this episode are some of the dialogue between characters. You know, when when Trip finally you know wakes up to Paul, you know, and, and to Paul's looking at him, at him, he's like, you know, just because the guy's in his underwear, you think the worst. <laughs> there are some really decent one-lines in, yep. in this episode that, that I really kind of appreciate. I also appreciate when to Paul goes to free Archer from the handcuffs. Yes,
0: best part of I love it, love and, it.
1: And she gives him some grief, and it is some well-timed stuff. Yeah. Um, and I only <laughs> wish that she'd left him hanging there a little bit longer. Yeah. Because, you know, eventually she just gives him the key because that's what to Paul would have done. Yeah. But I really wanted her to mess with him a little bit more.
0: Yeah. It was, it was great. And, and it's funny because you could tell when Archer was insulting Vulcans to the Ferengi it, as part of his plan, you just knew that she was going to have something to say at the end. And she did it in. I, I've I've had I've had times where I have been a little bit more critical of DePaul than others. She handled it brilliantly. It was <laughs> awesome. It was funny. It was Vulcan funny. It was. You don't get a whole lot. So I really appreciated
1: it. <laughs> Not that interesting. No sense of humor. <laughs> Always complaining. It's like she was describing Dan Davidson. See, oh well, yeah. but see, she did it better
0: than you just did, jerk.
1: That's true. But I love how Archer's like, I'll make it up to you. And she's like, how? That's like, yeah. I don't think that he was expecting that. Yeah. And then she, then he's
0: like, unlock, un, undo
1: these cuffs. That's an order. Yeah, yeah. Throw the order at me. That <laughs> was, that was weak. <laughs> that was totally weak. The, the ultimate indignity in this episode has to be the Ferengi having to put everything back from where they took it from <laughs> at phaser point or phase pistol point. Sorry. <laughs> yes. um, and I mean, I'm glad we freed, you know, uh, Porthos from the box. Aww. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, And I love that they're trying to talk with Porthos and figure out what language he's trying to speak. That to me is one of the funnier bits of the episode, but the fact that they have to put all this stuff back, I think is really the, one of my favorite parts because trips like, yep, I got myself a face pistol. You better put that back. That torpedo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, now the other thing I found funny is they just have like moving carts for everything, don't they? Don't have transporters? Well, I know that transporters are kind of brand new in enterprise, but they use tr- transporters on the enterprise to move cargo. <laughs> so, um, hello, <laughs> and and, they, they, and and the way, of course, that we've talked about the, the way that the enterprise is built, the NX01, how they have these girder these like steel beams on the floor between doors so they have to put these ramps so they're going up and down on these ramps all over the ship to get the stuff they need i thought that was quite funny as well
1: no i have to agree well you know it's it's kind of interesting because i mean they just put all this stuff in bags how many trips did they make back and forth to their own little ferengi ship yeah you know i i how, how long do you think it took them to bring all that stuff back
0: and that's a cramped ship when it was full of everything. Yeah. I mean, they had to make room for all these other things. And yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that's, they were on one whole end of the ship, one end of the saucer. It's not like they were in a central point. They were in one end. So they had to go all the way to the other end of the saucer. They had to yeah. go all the way. To, oh my goodness gracious. I could use that. It's like going to the gym every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. Paul um, <laughs> gets to work in a Vulcan nerve pitch. Yes she does it, in the most predictable way, but it works in the scene, and it it works in general. I didn't know that you could do one on a Ferengi and here we are there we go you You learn things
0: new all every day Bill um you knew that Umox was going to come into play at some point in that yeah. very scene. I did like how um. Uh, I think it was, I think it was Jeffrey Combs character. Me- yeah, it was measuring her pointed ears when she was unconscious. She's just, <laughs> he was just kind of like, Oh, look at those ears. Brunt mm-hmm. FCA. And he pointed them up. To his- I thought that was pretty good too. So yeah, uh, but yeah, Vulcan neck, you can't read their minds if you're, a, if you're a, Beta betazoid, but you can give them the Vulcan nerve pitch. How about that?
1: I think that's, I think that's really kind of cool. Plus, I mean, it, it's a good tie in to to Vulcan continuity too. It's mm-hmm. like, well, why didn't Topal just give them the nerve pitch? Well, she did. Yeah. So there. (laughs) Yep. Um, Did you notice that they were collecting all of the women in the cargo bay? I did. They dragged them all down there. Yep. And to sell them at a slave market. Mm -hmm. So not only are the Ferengi uber capitalists in this particular time and space in Star Trek universe, um, they're also into slavery.
0: Yes, absolutely. And
1: and, And it
0: made me think of the episodes um, that we just talked about recently with the um, augments when they were at the Orion uh, auction selling slaves that that, I'm like, Oh, maybe they work with the Orions. I no idea, but uh, yeah, I did find it. One of the things I didn't like about how they portrayed the Ferengi here. We know that the Ferengi uh, are into profit with TNG and deep space nine. They've got a pretty advanced civilization, even though it rains a lot here. They were nothing more than thieves and pirates. And yeah. I would expect that not to be that far from what we see in deep space nine, even though it is two centuries, it would take a long time for a species and a, and a, um, and their civilization to evolve from what they seem to be in enterprise to what they are in deep space nine. I found that a little bit questionable.
1: I have to agree with you there because, you know, they're doing business mm. in next gen. They're doing business in deep space nine, even in Voyager. Um, but here it's like you said, they're, they're, they're thugs, they're, yeah. they're thieves. And I think pirates really is the best word. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I really have a hard time reconciling that. Now, could it, could it be that they just, that exactly. was them?
0: Yes. And it wasn't there like the usual, like they were like, like cut off from Ferengi civilization. So they were right. doing their own thing type of thing. That's a possibility, but, um, it was something that crossed my mind during, during my rewatch.
1: But if they're going to bend the continuity like that, why not bend it and use what we know instead of creating something else Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, or providing no explanation? True. Two lines of dialogue could have rectified that whole thing. You know, well, remember when we were in the, in the Ferengi army, you know, it's (laughs) uh, glad we got out of that because there's far more wealth in this. Yep. Yep. Uh, You know, something along those lines, uh, very easy to do it. Um, their idea of profit is stealing stuff and and, exactly, which is fencing it.
0: And I don't think that, um, for the most part, I, you know, as, as, as much as we make fun of them, I think that Ferengi businessmen have kind of honorable ways. They may, they may bend them a little bit with the rules of acquisition, but these guys didn't have any of that at all. They were just going out to steal whatever they could. And they've been doing it for a long time. They talked about other ships that they had taken stuff from before. So. I thought it was interesting. They did talk about Beatles stuff. So there's a positive there as well, I guess.
1: There is. I mean, you know, you get to, you get in that continuity reference just to make the fans happy. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Do you think this episode would have worked better if there was more understandable exposition at the beginning? Like actual dialogue that you could either read or hear that made (gasps) sense?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about that a little bit though. You know, I was sitting there the first 11 minutes, as you pointed out, I'm like, okay, this is not what I remember it to be. This is not something that's catching my attention. It's it's actually more distracting watching people talk with no dialogue in a, in a strange language, trying to figure out what they might talking be talking about instead of having subtitles. And subtitles bother me sometimes too, but I, I think in this instance, it would have brought me in a little bit more. So I definitely agree with that. Absolutely.
1: I, I think it, it would have changed the entire tone of the first part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what we get here is a, an episode that's lighter. It gives our crew a chance to be a little funny. And I, I think that's probably the best thing it has going for it. You know, Bacula, when he gets a chance to not be rah, 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 archer, and mm-hmm. gets a chance to, to be a little loose, I, I think it's. I think it makes for a, a better episode for that particular character, but to Paul gets lighter moments trip yep. who always has lighter moments, probably mm-hmm. gets some of his, his more memorable ones here. Yep. And in that sense, I think the episode works very well.
0: It does, you know, something that doesn't work for me that I was just thinking of while you were talking about it, and it's a little thing and I'm sure there's some reason for it. So that device that was brought on and the, the gas was released and everybody was knocked unconscious. Why weren't the animals knocked unconscious? The bat thing in Phlox's, uh sick bay was flapping around when he looked in it, and Porthos was awake. That's kind of interesting to me that that um, just humanoids were rendered unconscious by this gas well, when I, the, when when the
1: Ferengi had no idea what species was even on this ship. Well, I was going to say maybe it maybe it just works on human humanoid like life forms. Uh, I don't
2: know. Um,
1: you know uh, it's it it's at least a decent presumption, I don't know,
0: Brandon was right, I hated it I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just no, kidding.
1: I mean, I don't wanna we're being i don't want to say harsh on this episode, I think we're being honest about we're being this funny episode. harsh, I think, but oh, I think we're being honest, yeah, um, I don't think it's harsh at all um it's okay to say you don't like something that's yep. not. It's not being a gatekeeper. It's not being you know, harsh. It's not trashing something. Because like you said, we love Enterprise.
0: Yeah. But see, here's the thing. There's a lot of things about this episode that are problematic, but I don't hate the episode. I mean, we're talking about all these things. I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. This is terrible. It's not as much fun as I remember it being 20 years ago, but it's not something that I would never not watch again. I'll definitely watch it again. I'm going to say I hate it. Okay. All right. That's okay. I, I I think there are aspects of it that make me appreciate it. And like I said at the beginning, most of that is the guest stars,
1: but that's just me. There are elements of it that I can appreciate and respect. There are ele- elements of it I can even like and enjoy, mm-hmm. but overall as an episode, I think it's terrible. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. And now if, it, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to call this one a skip it when we do the see it or skip it for this season. <laughs> um, oh, and you heard man. it here first. I was hoping you weren't going to tell anybody.
0: Uh, I actually, right now, if I had to make a choice, I don't know what I would
1: choose. I, I, do you want me to tell you what I think you'd choose? What? I think you're going to say, see it because of Ethan Phillips and Jeffrey (laughs) Combs and Clint Howard. Uh, I think that's what you'd say. It's quite possible. If you're going to watch it, that's really the only reason. Yeah. Yep. I, I,
0: well, the other, I got to be honest, as, as, a, as much of a problem as we have with the continuity aspect and the Ferengi aren't supposed to be known, there's that fan in me that was like, oh my God, this is cool because we know about them and we know what they're like, yet right? nobody on the ship does. And that's fun. It's, it fun, to hear, it's it fun to hear. It's fun to hear beetle snuff and it's fun to hear Umox, even though it's stupid and, and, and the phase uh, whips are, are cool. So Yeah. it's 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 it's, you can have an argument in either direction i think on it man
1: is it is it the worst episode of enterprise ever no 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 way no way is it the worst episode of star trek not Uh -uh. by a million miles nope um it's just not one that i enjoy personally okay um if i compare it to when i first watched it in 2002 i want to say i like it about as much although i will say in 2002 i was angry after watching it Oh, okay. Where I am not now. Now it's just like, oh, please. It's like listening to Dan talk. Just make it stop. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Oh, I'm stopped. (laughs) This is a first time for everything.
0: (laughs) No, I I really remember enjoying it back in the day uh, in 2002. I did not enjoy it as much this time.
1: That's interesting to me. Because if anything, I thought you would have liked it more. There've been a lot of episodes you've gone back and rewatched that you've actually liked more.
0: Yep. And it's funny because I would think the nostalgia would keep me interested in it. Yeah. But it it had a little bit of a drop off.
1: That's really interesting to me. I'd be interested to hear how others look at this. And there's always going to be people who've always loved it. There's Mm -hmm. always going to be people who've always hated it. And they're not wrong. Neither of them. Neither of them are wrong. I'm interested in the reverse situations somebody who liked it before and doesn't now, or somebody who didn't like it before and does now.
0: Yes. I'd love to hear from one of the latter. Especially. Especially. Yeah. Yep. Um, Absolutely.
1: Ultimately, if this, I'm not going to turn it off if it's on, Mm -hmm. like if I'm going through a rewatch and it's the next one in the queue, I'm not going to go skip episode because that's just, that's not going to happen. Yeah. But it's not an episode that I get a lot of enjoyment out of. Um, I could very easily use this episode as video wallpaper while something else is going on, mm-hmm. and not miss anything.
0: It's no dark page, right? Is that what you're saying?
1: No. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> it's not like Aquiel, which I do skip. Uh
0: yeah, I know you do like to skip that one, or Farquiel.
1: <laughs> no, that one, uh, because it's Farquiel. I'd actually. That's a better.
0: It. Yeah, it's probably better than the yeah, original yeah. episode. Yeah. Okay. Catch you. Um,
1: there are so many things that I wonder if the Ferengi were going to try to steal in this episode. Um, Because at one point, it looks like they're trying to get Archer out of his chair so that they can steal the chair.
0: Well, they unbolted uh the navigation sliding chair, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's like a sliding chair. They, they took the bolts right out of that and carried it off into the turbo lift. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: it's like, wow. Well, it, I got to think they're limited by what they could get in the turbo lift. And those turbo lifts are not big.
0: They're not big. And they just kind of like dump Mar- Travis right on the floor. They don't care. He's like, they pick them up and just like dump them. It's like, wow, dude.
1: <laughs> but I mean, what, if they're looking for things that they can sell to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. why not take some of the technology that the other parts of you know, the, the quadrant don't have? Why not take some of the medical technology? Why not take some of the engineering technology? Take the dilithium. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're funny. They're dumb. But see, that's
0: the thing. That's what's They're not dumb
1: about profit.
0: These ones are, <laughs> which <laughs> is part of the problem, which you talked about. They're nothing but pirates and thieves. They're not even using their head. All the, They've got dollar signs in their head over everything else, and that's what's their downfall because they fight with each other over the amount of, of, of cut each one's going to get and who's going to go into the vault first because they think the other person's going to steal something and blah, blah,
1: blah, and that ends up being their downfall, their stupidity over profit. The reveal of the vault, you know, when they're all standing outside and behind the Ferengi and behind Triptor are these tanks that say metallic waste. <laughs> I'm like going, I get the feeling they shouldn't be firing face pistols around this. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Ooh, and yeah. what exactly is metallic waste? Isn't that the name of your cover band?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's the name of my Dan Davidson tribute band.
2: <laughs> there you go. How and it's that?
1: it's a metal band.
2: Oh, that's, oh.
1: That's, uh, gotcha. Rock on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, There's just so much about that vault scene that makes me go, should they really be firing weapons? <laughs> this is, does not look good. Yeah. But ultimately I think it's the best and the only way they could have ended the episode. I liked how they did that. I
0: liked the vault thing. I thought it was yeah. kind of
1: cool. Yeah. I did like it. It was, it was nice. It was light. Um, You knew that they weren't going to find anything. You knew that there wasn't a vault, so there had to be a trap. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it was that trip trap. Oh God. We stopped making that Sheldon noise. I I know you hate that so
2: much.
1: (laughs) Oh my, I hate it.
0: I know. All right. So let me do it again. Hold on. A trip trap.
2: (laughs) Ha
1: ha. Dun, 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 dun. There we go. Yeah. We need the prices, right? Horns of failure on there. (laughs) So I, I think that I think that there's not a lot of love for this episode between us, although you don't mind it as much as I do.
0: Yeah. If if anybody has any love for it, I think it's me. Yeah. Um, I don't think you have any love for it. Um, I would, I wouldn't go so far to say I hate it. I wouldn't so say I love it. I dislike like it. I'm sorry. Say that again. <laughs> I dislike like it. So I kind of, there's parts I don't like and parts that I like. So I dislike squared. There
1: we go. I am so lost. <laughs> That's a good show too. we want going to talk about that. No, we don't <laughs> want to talk about that because it's not a great show. Um, I think it would have been a little different if they had had a more planet based episode to introduce True. the Ferengi. Mm-hmm. You no, know, if you're going to play with the continuity and you're going to bend what we know, then take a, take everybody out of their element. Yeah. You know, good idea. Make it some sort of colony or some sort of space station or something like that where, No one knows the lay of the land where everybody's on equal footing. And then we can let the Ferengi be a little more devious or they can Mm -hmm. steal some stuff. If they want to be pirates, great. Maybe everybody has to try to figure out how to be a little piratey to survive, to get off this planet or whatever. I think that probably would have been a more effective treatment and way to introduce the Ferengi and still leave some mystery about it. And you kind of get that a little bit in Captain's Holiday with the Ferengi that's after the Taksu Tot. Yeah, you do. So uh,
0: that, that is, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. I like that you uh, brought that up, man. Very well done. Are there any
1: like, I, changes or ideas you would have made fundamentally to the episode to make it better overall?
0: I would have for the continuity aspect, and this is way out there, but I would have liked it if somehow before the Ferengi left, if they were able to introduce another type of gas to make everybody forget about it. So then the whole idea that nobody even knew the Ferengi were on the ship would be better for the continuity for when they actually meet up with them in in TNG time it's a it's a little thing and it's kind of stupid to th- oh, okay so the whole episode never happened it's a reset button episode but it would make it better for the continuity of when they actually have first contact with them i don't know that's the only thing i can really think of
1: well and then you know, that, that only works if they don't make log entries or send information to Starfleet command, which we know they didn't do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's true. That's true. Good point. So they're okay then. <laughs> yeah. So that works in your way. Right. Yeah. Good. All right. Nice. Good talk. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I worry that when people hear this, they're going to think that we're hating on enterprise, we're no, hating the no, no. episode because people, people who love enterprise are really super sensitive about that and mm-hmm. I get it. But I, sometimes it's okay to say an episode is not great.
0: Right. Oh, I, I totally agree. One of the other things I would have liked to have seen is that the end, the Ferengi ship goes off. Yeah. I would have liked a quick little five years later, just a little thing. And we see Jeffrey Combs character as the leader. And Ethan Phillips is his, you know, is the guy who does all the work. Kind of the tables have been turned and he's a better leader and not such a jerk and bully as Ethan's character was. That would have been good to see because if there was a character in this episode of the Ferengi to like, it was Krem. Uh, Didn't like Euless, didn't like Muck, didn't like Grish. Um, I think Krem, Jeffrey Combs' character, would have been the one to like to see him succeed later because he finally stood up for himself like Archer was trying to have him do. I thought would have been a good way to see
1: something in the future. The only other thing I would have liked to have seen, if you're going to bend canon and continuity, is I would have liked to have seen a really brief scene with either, you know, the, the great grandfather or, or grandfather of Quark Mm -hmm. uh, or Nog. I'm sorry. Or Rom. Yeah. That would have been cool. Um, I, with Armin or Max playing it.
0: Yeah. That would have been really cool. You know,
1: like they had Michael Dorn play Worf's grandfather. Mm -hmm. I think that that would have been kind of neat. You know, if they, they maybe, you know, get on the, uh, on the compic to the Nagus, and the Nagus happens to be, you know, somebody who happens to look a lot like Quark. That would have been kind of cool.
0: Or it could be the guy who planned the gr- played the Grand Nagus in. We don't know how long their lifespan is. It could have been a young version of the Grand Nagus played by the same character that would Shawn, I mean, That a nor annoying voice of Wallace Shawn. That would have been kind of cool too. I, I do like that aspect of what you brought up. That would have been neat. But I do like the tie in with with Quark uh, history. That would have been very cool.
1: I think that would have been really cool. So yeah, uh, ultimately some 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 opportunities missed with this episode. There are some aspects of it that are really fun and really light, mm-hmm. uh, but overall a miss for me, one you don't mind as much, I think is fair.
0: Yes. I think that's very fair. I would go with that.
1: Well, if you happen to rewatch acquisition sometime coming up soon, everybody, let us know what you think um, because you're going to come down to one of those camps that we mentioned, and we are eager to hear about it. Dan, something else that we are eager to hear is five year mission in our ear holes. Mm. Every single week they are every note of music you hear on trek geeks of course they have five-year mission the podcast here on the trek geeks podcast network which we are very excited about day in oh, and yes. day out but head on over to 5 get all those cds shipped to you become a huge fan of the band as we are we guarantee you're gonna love it or dan will come and wash your car what yeah <laughs> that's in your contract it's, you didn't know i didn't see that i must have read over that
0: part you know you can read We've had, I've just, just learned. We had some, you know, we had a great conversation, deep, meaningful conversation. So this is going to be short and sweet this week, buddy. We love five-year mission. This one's short. The Kelvin timeline, section 31, Klingons, Pike, Alcatraz, rock bands, guitarists, John Harrison, Khan, someone dies, dialogue between friends, so many familiar things, yet so different. It's Star Trek into Farkness.
1: Oh, boy. I should have known that it was something like that when you started giving me a laundry list of things. Mm. Um, Yeah. There you go. Into Farkness. Into Farkness. I can't believe I hadn't used that one yet. I was hoping you'd never use that one. (laughs) That's fiveyearmission.net. Please go get all their albums. We mean it. You'll love it. Of course, don't forget, you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon where you can get all kinds of special exclusive perks, Dan. And you've had some meetings about that recently. I have had some meetings. We got things in the works with actual producers of
0: stuff. So we got new stuff coming people and it's going to be awesome. Our local friends at mint print works, of course, do the shirts that we've had in the past. Our friends at fan sets do our Patreon pins. Those aren't going to change. And we got new stuff coming up. Uh, We're hard at work with these new perks and we're going to be announcing it very soon. We say that a lot, but there's a lot of things that you got to line up before that. You can announce it to the world. You're going to love them though. But right now we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek geeks, we are so grateful for their support, and they are Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escadero, Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax-Vincent.
1: Ron Robell, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. Wow, so gracious, so wonderful. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Leonel Marchon, Rick Mason, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulby, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashion. Dan, did you know the hmm. senior producer of Trek Geeks is the always, always very well-mannered Jude Tabman. And he looks marvelous, I must marvelous. say.
0: Marvelous. That kid, wow, he's awesome. Marvelous.
1: Too. Of course, you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network, and it's so easy to do as I read Dan's copy. Just <laughs> head on over to patreon.com slash Trek Geeks today for all the details. Next week, buddy, we continue our year-long celebration of Enterprise 20 with a look at one of the legends.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. Thank you for reading that copy, by the way. You're Give welcome. me a break. Uh, you know, every Star Trek series has a captain um, that is, as you said, the stuff of legends. And Star Trek Enterprise is no exception. So next week, as we continue our celebration of Enterprise 20, we're going to discuss the character of Captain Jonathan Archer, brilliantly portrayed by the one and only Scott Bakula, And it's all right here on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network.
1: For more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out our other member podcasts on the network. Of course, in addition to Discovering Trek, Rewind, PolyTrex, Five Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Infinite Trek and the Divine Treasury, which I didn't forget about this time. So mm-hmm. there.
0: Well, that's because you're a guest on it this week. That's why.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are proud to bring you the Sci Fi Sisters as the latest edition of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. They're amazing. We love them. And we hope you'll check out their podcast dropping fortnightly on Fridays. of course, Dan, that means every how many weeks? Two. Exactly. You can find <laughs> all of our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting the newly redesigned slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek SEO, please visit our great friends at Treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number two hundred and fifty-four of the Trek News Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. nut I'm sorry. What? Yeah.
0: Rub the back of the coconut. Coconumax nut. <laughs> you almost sound
1: like you're speaking a pig lot. Coconum Moxnut.
0: Mom, Tom joy. Kokonumax nut. I'm good. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in
1: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.
2: Uh,
0: That's what Sheldon does when he's like the the weather thing in the Halloween episode on Big Bang Theory.
1: Which is the stupidest thing
0: ever. (laughs) (laughs) Sheldon's stupid. You know what? Let's talk about this for a second. Even though this is the the Trek Geeks podcast, let's talk about Big Bang Theory for a second. I love the show. I have loved the show. Leonard is the biggest dum-dum Ever. He never knows when to shut up. Every time he opens his mouth, he says something stupid, and it drives Sue and I absolutely crazy.
1: End of rant. So it's kind of like whenever you open your mouth oh, on this podcast. God, <laughs> is that what I'm getting from you? No, what's a podcast? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, but you yeah, I hate so, you so much right now. I do a lot of Big Bang references around the house, so. You do and on, a lot of Big Bang references here. I do. I, I love the show. I, it's one of my favorite sitcoms. Um, probably not. Well, I'd have to rewatch it, but Three's Company had been my favorite sitcom for decades because I just think that John Ritter was the best physical comedian ever.
1: He was. Uh, and he was. Uh,
0: But I do love Big Bang Theory.
1: Mine uh, used to be Arrested Development. The first never, three seasons of which are still brilliant. Never seen a single second of that. Um, Arrested Development is... It, You have to pay attention, but it is, it's so brilliantly written. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) But The Office for me, hands down, is the best comedy ever produced. Hmm. It is so imminently rewatchable. And I don't know what I would have done without it during this pandemic because I think I've watched it through about five or six times. Really? My house is a continual rewatch of The Office because my my wife is a huge fan. My wife has stuff from The Office hanging up all over our home office. She has tattoos. Tattoos, yep. So I, I, I love the show. Cool. I like that.
0: Uh, and I do like it. I just, now that it's not on Netflix anymore, I haven't gotten around to picking up where I left off. So I gotta, I gotta do that at some point, but I, I have been enjoying what I've seen so far
1: of it. So. And you were actually further along than, uh, than I anticipated. So, I mean, you were doing pretty well. Yeah,
0: that's good. I, I do like it. I can't wait to get to the episode. What is it? The Christmas Eve dinner or something? The holiday the dinner, dinner party. The dinner, dinner party. party. I can't wait for that one because you talk about that one all the time without telling me anything about it. So I can't wait to see that one.
1: It is an exercise in being uncomfortable the whole episode. Speaking of exercise, the gym was horrible last night. (laughs) (laughs) So after you do the workouts, you post these sort of post-workout selfies. Yes. Yep. And in each of them, you look like death warmed over. Exactly. But it's so fun. I keep praying that that's actually what's happening. Wow.
0: Okay. Well, last night I actually said, I guess this is what hell feels like. And I literally thought I was going to throw up last night. Really did. Because I I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough of a protein bar before the, before the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it hit me halfway through, but soon I love going. It's great. And um, yeah, that's kind of become a tradition. Um, These selfies, we started doing them people, you know, when we were doing the at home ones, the coaches asked to post a selfie, a sweaty selfie, they called it. Um, after the workouts, because yes. nobody was at the gyms. Right. And when we went, started going back to the gym, I just started doing it after every workout right away. And people like come up to me at the gym, like, can I get my sweaty selfie with you today? And this, and so I just, it's like, people are like not happy when I, when I don't do it. So I, I always have to do it and, and it's fun and, uh, it's, it's very tiring the gym, but I love it. I'm glad we do it. Your face is tiring. It is very tiring. I'm tired.
1: I, you're wearing the hell out of me just looking at you on the screen. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm here to help. Well, since when? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm turning over a new leaf. Lease, lease on life. <laughs> <laughs> myth, how many
1: metaphors? How many me- yeah, myth, myth. How many metaphors do you want to mix here? Oh, I don't
0: know. So, you
1: know, call them as I see them. <laughs> no?
0: no. No. Okay. No. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Okay. A uh, watch pot never boils. That was in Star Trek, actually, so that's cool. Anyway, hi. That's true, it was. <laughs> and I love the face that Data gives when it starts boiling. He's like...
1: It's the face I give you every time you open your mouth. <laughs> Sorry, Ugh.
0: I just opened my mouth.
1: <laughs> you do a lot of these visual gags that nobody can see, which that's is effective for well, an audio it is,
0: podcast. It is also because nobody wants to see this. And I'm
1: right now I'm pointing to your half of the screen. Oh, um I posted a, a Trek Tuesday selfie today. It was called you hot, did. so you can suck it.
0: It was and it, it was. That was a nice shirt.
1: <laughs> I I I bought one of these sci fi sisters shirts from their uh their Teespring store. Yeah. And uh a great podcast. I mean, yes, they're on our network, but uh I would love and listen to that podcast even if they weren't. Absolutely. And I want to show them a little love. So there
2: you go.
0: Um
1: we love the we sisters. It. We do, yeah.
0: We love everybody. Oh, mostly everybody. I don't oh, love you so much. I was going to say, except the person who I share the podcast with. But that's
1: that's neither here nor there. Another metaphor. Here we go. Why do you have to ding Casey and Sarah like that? I mean, I don't. They're not here right now. You said person you share the podcast with. You share a podcast with them.
0: I said the podcast, meaning this one. Hmm. Meaning you. Meaning you, so Mister.
1: Why does Discovering Trek uh, kind of come in second? It's your
0: show. No, it's on. It's first. It is. It is the best. And and I can't wait to hear their discussion about what we're talking about today. (laughs)
2: Listen
1: to the backpedaling, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I'm
0: not backpedaling. Nobody pedals backwards.
1: Nobody pedals backwards faster or better than Dan Davidson.
0: But I'll tell you what, it's hard to backpedal when you're on one of the old-fashioned bikes where the brakes are the pedals that you backpedal on. That would be a mess.
1: (laughs) Coaster brakes?
0: (laughs) It's like, oh. Remember the big wheel with the brake on the tire? That was fun.
1: Yeah, I though I never had one. My my yeah, parents hated one. the sounds of those things. Oh. They hated the the plastic wheels on pavement. It drove them okay. crazy cuz every kid in the neighborhood had one. Yeah. And like uh you are not getting one of those. I'm like, "But but all the other kids have them." And it I didn't
0: had work. I had one and I would never put it away when I was done with it and I paid the price once when my dad accidentally ran over it in the truck. <laughs>
1: when he was backing out. And I know what you're going to say. Oh, it's too bad you weren't on it. No, <laughs> it's actually not what I was going to say. I was going to say, knowing you, I'm pretty sure it wasn't accidental.
0: No, it was because I was devastated.
1: I'm pretty sure it wasn't accidental. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that and my ghost gun. Excuse I me? Gun. It was, I had this gun. I don't even know what it's called. I have to find it. And, and 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 people listening, if you can find it online, the reference. It was this like gun that had these little strips. And they were of like ghosts and monsters. And you would put it in like where you would put bullets in a real gun. And there was a light fixture inside and you would shine it on the wall. And when you fired it, it would actually put holes in the little picture that you were shooting at. So it was like you were really shooting the ghost. I, and I it, I, it got ruined outside because I had left it outside. It was like my favorite thing. I would sit in the closet and use it like all the time.
1: I vaguely remember yeah. a TV commercial for this. I
0: got to find pe- people, find one online, find me on one on eBay or something. Cause I'll sit in the closet and do it for hours. Now, I, will <laughs> you please just sit in the closet? Period. <laughs> Go now. Don't wait. <laughs> so yeah, I don't remember what it was called, but oh my God, it was my, I think it was one of my favorite toys when I was a kid.
1: I, I, I'm i learning something new today.
0: Yeah, Absolutely so there you go and i do it you know i do what i can to to educate you and and enlighten you about what my life was before we became friends
1: yes i feel so learned uh, uh, well that's not the word i would use but that's okay <laughs> that's because you don't know what it means <laughs> learn
0: leonard oh back yeah. to big bang theory <laughs> i was
1: thinking nimoy but okay whatever super fan
0: well, the only reason here backpedaling is because we were just talking about it. So it was still fresh in my memory. It hadn't like dematerialized yet, which tends to happen very quickly in this noggin.
1: Yeah, your voice is decalcifying my spinal column. <laughs> Shut up. I like that phrase. I used that the other day actually. Uh, I know you did. That's yeah. why I pulled it out. <laughs> wow. Are right, you uh you ready to do this there? Yeah. Mon frere? I am.
0: Let's uh let's do it. Stop that. <laughs>